You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. All right, well, it is, uh, it's good to be together here on this family day. Um, just, uh, just a quick word, guys. I, I mean, on behalf of our family, I just want to thank you so much for your love and support to our family this last week with Hope's surgery. Um, things went as well as could be expected. She was able to be discharged yesterday afternoon, and so uh, just continued prayer for a rest for mom, especially. She, Heather did most of the evenings uh, there, so you know what it's like to sleep in a hospital, uh, or maybe you haven't had that pleasure, but uh, not a lot of sleep going on. So Anyway, so just uh, continue prayers for them. And then if you guys could continue to lift up the Allison family. Uh, Ezekiel is uh, on his way to Sick Kids today uh, in Toronto. Uh, we praise God for his birth yesterday and that he was stable enough that they decided to wait till today to take him there. But now uh, a really serious surgery for him. Uh, I think statistically it's 56% chance. So uh, it's a long road for Ezekiel. So we just want to continue to lift him and the Allisons up. Uh, in prayer as well. So um, love that not only do we celebrate families as um, individual families, but we celebrate the family of God here this morning. And um, if you're joining us uh, this morning, you couldn't get out of your driveway because how much snow there was or, or whatever, uh, we're, we're thankful that you're joining us online as well. And if you are, just uh, uh, let us know uh, through whatever app you're using. Okay, well, kids, I need to catch you up, all right? Usually the music hits, you guys run, your pre-announcement of, of you can, you're dismissed to go, and you're gone. So you don't know what we've been doing in here for the last couple months, maybe. We've been going through Romans chapter 12, and, and when we get to Romans chapter 12, after 11 chapters of describing the gospel and what Jesus Christ has done for us and the power of the gospel, Paul says, listen, now, you're to live a certain way as a result of the gospel. Uh, there is a right way to live as a result of what the gospel has done in your life. And so he says that in verse 1. And verse 2, we see that how we learn to live in the right way is to not have our minds conform to what the world would want us to know, but have our minds transformed by the Word of God so that we might know what is the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And we got to verse 3, and he starts describing from verse 3 to 8, what is the church supposed to look like? What are we supposed to do in the church? He tells us that we all have gifts and that we should be serving one another. And we get to verses 9 through 16, and he talks about that we should be loving one another in the body of Christ. But in verse 14, he had mentioned that we are to bless those who persecute us, bless and curse not. And that sets us up for today. And I've asked Jackson if he would help me out to start out with this morning. Jackson, if you want to come on up. Now, um, how, many, how many of you guys go to a school? How, kids, help me out here. How many of you go to a school? Okay? Like, in other words, you're not in homeschool or not yet in school. Okay, so you're in a school. Okay, so let me see, see if you've ever seen this. Jackson, come over here for a second. Okay, so I'm in the hallway, I'm walking past Jackson, and I just do this to him, right? And then I turn around, and I'm like, hey, Jackson. Hi. Where'd you get your shoes? Where'd you get your top? You want to fight? You want to fight? Anyone ever seen this at school? Right? <laughs> I, uh, okay, it's great. Okay, and then the next thing you don't know, I'm waking up on the ground. Okay, so thank you, Jackson. Okay. Right? Like, kids will pick on kids. You guys seen that, right? And it's really sad, and maybe that's happened to you. It happened to me when I was a kid. I remember being in grade five, and I had recently come to understand who Jesus was, and, and I was wanting to live for him. Our whole family had changed. My dad had got saved earlier that year as well. And so this new trajectory of life. And I, I remember walking home from school and this, this kid, there was actually several kids. That's usually how they work, right? Like not just one of them. But anyway, and, and he's just like, 
pushing me and pushing me and, and a nice name, Peacock, you know, and making fun of my last name and all that kind of stuff and, and trying to get me to fight with him. And I was like, I'm, I'm like, leave me alone. Stop. <laughs> right. And, and eventually they just left. And I was, I was, this, we didn't just happen once. It, would, it continued to happen. And so what, what, what do I do? What should I do? And, 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 uh, and so I, I looked to the Bible. And in the Bible, it tells us that, that we are to, what? Pray for our enemies. Let me just read the verse that says here in Matthew 5, 43. It says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that's what I did. I started to pray for those kids by name. That, that God would save them, that God would change them. And, and guess what? My heart started to change towards those kids. I didn't hate them anymore. And, and by God's grace, they just stopped picking on me. I don't even know why. They just did. And that taught me at a very young age that I need to trust the Lord. When I, when he, when I find myself in different trials of life, what does his word say? Apply his word, trust him, and he will take care of the rest. And, and so that was a, a lesson I learned early on. And the passage that we're going to be looking at today, what are we supposed to do with our enemies? Adults, what are we supposed to do with our enemies? Uh, sometimes uh, children can teach us as adults, right? Because as adults, we think we still have a right to maybe set the record straight. But as we're going to look at the Bible today, as we're going to look at the end of Romans chapter 12, we're going to see that although it's hard to love our enemies, to do good to our enemies, that that's what God calls us to. And not only does he call us to do this, not only does God call us to love our enemies and to pray for our enemies and to do good to our enemies, but it's exactly what Jesus did. And it's what he did for you and I. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. So let me, let me pray for us, and then we're going, to, we're going to look at God's word together. Lord God, we're so thankful for this time together this morning. God, we're just asking, Lord, that you would lead us and guide us as we study the Bible today. God, we're so thankful that we have the scriptures. God, we desire to walk in obedience to what your word says. And yet sometimes, God, it can be really hard. We can, we can want to it with our minds, but, but have a really tough time falling through with the actions. And so, God, as we study your scriptures today, God, I pray that you would help us to see how it is that we should walk in obedience to you in this regard. Of how loving our enemies is exactly what you did for, for us, God, when you came and died on a cross for us. God, I pray... Um, as well, this morning for the Allison family, please give them safety as they travel to Toronto. We do pray for young Ezekiel. God, would you continue to watch over his health? And God, we thank you for just your grace and your mercy thus far in his life. And we're just praying that would continue. And, and Lord, that he would grow up. And uh, Lord, that you would use him mightily for your glory and for your honor. And that he would be a young man who loves you. God, we entrust that family to you. And Lord, we entrust this rest of this time to you. God, would you lead us? By your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we all need a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, just go ahead and slip up your hand. We want to look at the end of Romans chapter 12 together. Romans chapter 12. And as we look at the text today, we're going to see, uh, again, another example of what it means to love genuinely, to love truly. And in fact, I believe if we follow through on what the text is saying today, this is where love shines the most brightly. And so we want to we wanna understand what the scriptures say. So I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 to set the context of Romans chapter 12. And then we're going to read verses 17 to 21. He says in verses, verses one, verse 1, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to, the, to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern 
what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And then verse 17, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This morning, we're going to see that genuine love under pressure responds in four different ways. First, genuine love under pressure strives for peace. When, when love is under pressure, when you, when you are being pressed, we need to strive for peace. Again, we see it says, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Now, last week, if you were with us, you recall in verse 14 that Paul said that we are to bless those who persecute us. Bless and curse not. And kids, as we talked about that, when we talk about blessing, blessing comes from who? It comes from God. And so when we, when we have people come against us, persecute us, and when we talk about persecution, that's people who are trying to harm you, trying to hurt you. The Bible says that you should pray for them, that God would bless them, not curse them, that God would bless them. And of course, the greatest blessing of all is that they would come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we pray for enemies, that they would find repentance and turn to him. Of course, to pray for blessing, to not respond evil for evil is not in our natural DNA, right? Jackson, he went all like, right? You know, you know what he was, you know, karate kids, adults, you remember that at least, okay? Like 30 years ago, whatever that, right? Like the... He's going to, Danny, Danny, is it Danny? No, is it Daniel? Thank you. Daniel. Daniel is going to get vengeance, right, on those who've been picking on him and bullying him. He's going to do it in the right way, but they're, they're going to get even. That's the whole point of the whole show, right? And all the spinoffs, okay? So repaying evil for evil. That's what we naturally want to do. But the Bible says, don't do it. Do not repay evil for evil. Kids, is that easy? Your brother or sister wrecks your toy. What do you want to do? Hit them, okay? Maybe you want to hit them, okay? That would be one way of getting back. Maybe take their toy and wreck it, right? That's what you want to do. But if you want to follow Jesus and do what the Bible says, it says, don't do that. When somebody does wrong against you, you don't respond wrongly. You don't respond with evil. In fact, Jesus' entire life was lived out without him paying someone back. Do we understand that? Never one time, even as a child, when somebody wrecked Jesus' toy, did he wreck their toy or hit them? We know this. Why? Because he was perfect his entire life. We don't have much on his childhood. Some hanging out at the temple at 12. That's about all we know, okay? But we do know this, is that he was perfect. And so he never did that. He never repaid evil with evil. And then it says this, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. So it's not just enough to be like, I really want to repay evil with evil, but I guess I'm not supposed to. And you just kind of sit there angry for like an hour. Okay, that's not what we're trying to do here. That's not what the Bible is saying. Repay, do not do that. But now instead, give thought to do what is honorable. Another way you could say this, to do what is good in the sight of all. We're, we're to respond, not just by not hurting them, but we're supposed to respond by being kind and peaceful. First Thessalonians 5.15 says, See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seeks to do good to one another and to everyone. So somebody hurts you, 
your response, the Bible says your response should be to do good to them. That's what the Bible tells us. That's what Jesus did. Somebody does evil against you, you do good back. And it tells us to think beforehand how you will respond. So kids, adults, okay, this is for adults too, okay? When someone does evil against us, part of us thinking beforehand what to do is to say, I know that the Lord never ever wants me to repay someone back for what they've done to me. They never want me to respond with evil when, I, when they've done evil to me. That's the start. And then I need to consider what would the, be the good thing that I could do for that person. And so, thinking about that, you're thinking beforehand. Someone does evil for you, the first thing you should do is what? I got to think about what to do. This would be a great prayer as soon as somebody does evil against you. Lord, help me to do the good you want me to do right now. That's what God would call us to do. Is that easy? Yes, it's easy. No, it's not easy. <laughs> okay? It's not easy because you're not going to want to. But it's what a believer does. Yarbo says this, give thought, suggest anticipating trying situations and reasoning in advance ways to respond that onlookers will recognize as large-hearted, not petty or selfishly vindictive. Did you note that it says to do what is honorable in the sight of all? As we've been going through the book of Romans, kids, the Bible tells us that we have the law written on our hearts. Every single person. Every single person has a sense of what is good and what is right. I don't think even the people who don't, know, don't love Jesus don't think that walking around in hatred and bitterness is a good lifestyle. All right? They understand that's not a good way. And they even understand when, it's some, when you get hurt, it's a good thing for you not to respond by hurting back. They understand that. Now, when it's themselves, they would have a tougher time understanding that. But when you do that, you are having a witness for Jesus Christ. That's a pretty amazing thing. 2 Corinthians 8.21 says, For we aim at what is, honorable in, in, uh, sorry, what is honorable not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And so we, when we do the good, it not only, not only is it good for the person that should get the evil, according to justice in our minds, but it also is being a witness to them of who Jesus is. Now, MacArthur says this, our forgiving, gracious behavior toward our enemies should commend us to them and to others who witness their behavior. Do you think you'll stand out at school if you do good to those who are hateful towards you? Do you think you would look different than every other kid as a result of that? Moms and dads at the workplace, when the boss is treating you like garbage, when you have a coworker who's just always unkind to you, you guys still haven't figured out why that is, do you think when you would pour out goodness towards them that you would stick out at the workplace? Yeah, you would, you would have a witness as a result of that. And the Bible says that this is how we should respond with good. It points people to the one who saved us. It is also a blessing to all who walk in obedience to respond with good versus evil. 1 Peter 3.9 says this, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. To this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. God blesses those who are peacemakers. God blesses those who are walking in the same way that Jesus walked. And in fact, it says in, the, in this next verse, verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. If possible. What does that tell us? Sometimes it won't be possible. But if it's up to you, you live peaceably with all. And this, this is showing this as believers, the responsibility to be, to be peaceable is on us. 
That's what God expects. It's not for the unbeliever. It is for the believer. And, and so our striving should be that we would be at peace with just the people who like us. Is that what it says? There's a three-letter word. Starts with an A, and then there's two L's. What is that? All, right? You're supposed to be at peace with all. Okay, wait a minute. Time out. Time out. Time out. How am I supposed to be at peace with people in the world? Right? How am I supposed to do that? If you're in Christ today, you are in the light. The people in the world are in the dark. You love Jesus. They hate Jesus. You want to walk according to his word. They think the word is ridiculous. How are you supposed to live peaceably with all? It's going to take some effort, right? Because right off the bat, you're going to be at odds with one another because of your beliefs, because of your, because of your love for Jesus. But the Bible is telling you, whenever possible, you live at peace with those around us. The Christian is, walked, is to walk in love towards our enemies and we're to do everything we can to live peaceably. Okay, so let's think about that. What can I do and what can't I do? If my friend at school says, well, I think there's many ways that you can get to heaven. In order to be at peace with him, should you say, okay, you can believe that. It's up to you. Should you say that? Okay, amen. No, you should not, okay? Man, this Redemption Kids must be a really good ministry. You guys are getting all the right answers. Okay, no, I can't say that. I can't say that there's many ways to heaven because there's only one way to heaven. And if I really love that person, then I can say, well, I understand that you might think that, but the Bible tells us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We have to do that. So we can't agree on that, but we can do it in a way that we would be loving. We don't have to say, well, you're stupid. You, you, what you think is wrong. That's not what we respond. We, we're loving, right, instead. Moms and dads, living peaceably with your neighbors. There's so much parking in the new developments, right? Okay, now there's not, right? So there's that parking spot that is really more convenient for you than, than anyone else, right? In our minds, all right? So, but you have that neighbor who keeps wanting to park there instead. As far as you know, they don't even live there. It's one of their kids that keeps coming and going and blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm talking about, like things that we go through, right? You don't need that spot, right? Living peaceably with your neighbor, you can compromise on that. That's something you can compromise on. And you can show them Christ's love by saying, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to park six miles from here and walk every day. <laughs> okay, I don't know. <laughs> but you can say, hey, you know what, don't worry about it. I, uh, well, I'll find somewhere else to park. That, that's how you could live peaceably. That's a way that you can extend Christian love to those around you by being sacrificial. What about if someone's pressuring you to lie? What if someone's trying to, to tell you that, that what the Bible says is not true about people? For the sake of tolerance, should you go along with that? You can't, right? Now, in our country, Canada, there's a whole lot of talk about that word tolerance. It is in their Bibles, one of the highest virtues. We all need to be tolerant of one another. But what that value system is, and I'm saying this for our kids and for our teens and for moms and dads, that value system is we're tolerant with everything that we believe. But if you don't believe what we believe, then we're not tolerant. That's not being tolerant. And so when someone tells you that you should believe that things in the Bible aren't what they say they are, then you have to say, well, I believe what the Bible says. But do so in a loving way. Moms and dads, in a loving way. Social media people, 
in a loving way. Maybe don't do social media. That may be easier, okay? But when we're having disagreements, we do so with compassion. We do so with love because this is what God calls us to. Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they should be called sons of God. How, how, how am I supposed to do this? Can anyone here do this on their own strength? The answer is no. But listen, let's think about this. What are the fruits of the Spirit? When God's Spirit has filled you and you're living out the Spirit, what then happens? I have what? I have love, I have peace, I have patience. I have kindness, I have faithfulness, I have gentleness, and I have self-control. So when the Spirit of God has filled me, when I have people coming against me, but I respond not in my flesh, but in the Spirit, then I respond with kindness. I respond with gentleness. I respond with love. That's how peace has the greatest opportunity. As much as it depends on you, if you respond by the work of the Spirit, then there may be peace. Now, somebody could say to you, well, I don't want to be your friend and I don't want to be at peace with you. That's not up to you at that point. You keep trying to be nice to them. You keep trying to be loving to them, but there's nothing that you can do. Proverbs 15.1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger, right? So responding with good, responding with something good results in what? The, the, The wrath being turned away, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Kids, do you guys, any kids know what ping pong is? Do you know what ping pong is? Okay, I see those hands. Okay, so you're playing ping pong. What happens when you hit the ball really hard? If you hit it really hard, then the other person has to what? They have to go, they got to go back, right? And they, get, they hit it back hard, right? And then you're, and if you watch the professionals, they're like, the table's like way over here. And they're like hammering it back and forth, right? But what happens if you just go like this? Just tap it. Then they have to what? They have to come in, right? And they come right up to the net. When we think about doing good instead of evil, it's this tap. It's the tap instead of the hitting hard, right? And so when I give a gentle answer, instead of saying, responding in just the way, somebody's like, I hate you. I'm like, well, I love you. It's the tap. It's the tap instead of the hammer, okay? So this is what God calls us to. As believers, our desire is to maintain a positive witness that points lost men and women to Christ, boys and girls to Christ. When we think of the incredible impact of the early church, could it not be partially attributed to the fact that those who were spreading the message of of reconciliation to a lost and dying world were also doing all they could to be at peace with all? And, and moms and dads, maybe if I could just address you right now. I think we in the Canadian church need to grow a ton in this. I see so much hatred towards our enemies out there via social media, even in the conversations that we have with one another, talking about like, it's us against them. It's not us against them. The Bible says that your enemy is not the unbeliever, that your enemy is Satan. And as far as unbelievers go, we need to show them love, no matter how they treat us, no matter how ridiculous they say what they say. They are lost. Their hearts have been, and minds have been blinded by the God of this world, by Satan. And what they desperately need is a gospel witness in front of them continually. And when you respond with good instead of evil, you're having a witness for Christ. So, Genuine love under pressure first strives for peace. Secondly, it trusts in justice. It trusts in justice. Justice is a good thing. Justice is a right thing. Justice will be done. 
Justice just won't be done by you. This is what verse 19 says. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Now, first of all, Paul addresses them as beloved. Which means you who are loved. Loved, of course, by the body of Christ, but first and foremost, by God. They have been loved by God. Those who were once enemies of God are now loved by God. Those who once shook their fists at God have now been loved by God. And he's saying, listen, I love you. I care for you. But never avenge yourselves. Now, the great thing, kids, is I went to seminary. I learned Greek, kind (laughs) of, when I was there. And so I looked in the Greek, and guess what? There is never a case where you can get vengeance for yourself. I looked it up. It's not there. Moms and dads, it's not there. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, more adults than anyone, you don't understand my situation. I don't need to understand your situation. It says, never avenge yourself. Note, it doesn't say this. It doesn't say that justice shouldn't be done. Doesn't say that that, that vengeance won't happen. It just says it's not your job. It's not your responsibility. But what it does say is that justice will be done. And you need to trust in that, that justice will be done. It is the Lord's job to bring about wrath, to repay those who have been sinned against. Sorry, to repay those who have been sinned, or sorry, who have sinned. What God is calling every believer to do is to leave justice in his hands. It is his job to do. Schreiner says this, we would fall prey to retaliation in the present if we do not know that God would vindicate us in the future. Thus, the recognition that God will judge our enemies is crucial for overcoming evil with good. Believers can leave the fate of their persecutors in God's hands knowing that he is good and just and he does all things well. It's like, ooh, do you, do you know that feeling, kids? Do you know that feeling where you really just want to get even? You really want that person to pay? Do you know that feeling? And, and it's almost like you're, you're like turning into the Hulk or something, right? You're turning like, I just want to. Right, moms and dads, do you know that feeling? And you really want to? And he says, don't do it. Don't do it. Trust me. I will set the record straight. Justice will be done, but not by you. And not in your timing, but in God's timing. Retaliation and punishment are God's to determine. But listen, every sin will be punished. Do you understand that? Every sin will be punished by God. No one gets away with sin, ever. Like, oh, I think I got away with this sin. Nobody knows. God knows. God knows. God knows every sin and he will punish every sin. But when we sin, who do we sin against the most? God. That's right. Do you guys remember the story of David? King David. He was a great king, but he messed up. And he sinned against a woman and he sinned against her husband And when he was confessing, he said this in Psalm 51.4, Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. And David realized, yes, he had sinned against these two other people, but first and foremost, he'd sinned against God. And God is in the judgment seat. And he is the one who will determine what our punishment is. And so it is right that he is the one who does it. 
Paul not only taught us not to get vengeance for ourselves, but to leave it to the Lord, but he lived it out himself. 2 Timothy 4.14, he says this, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. Right? This guy, Alex, at his, at his workplace, the coppersmith guy, he did great harm to Paul. We don't know exactly what he did, but it obviously was a lot because Paul brought it up. And then he says this, the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. It's like justice is in the hands of the Lord. He will take care of it. It's not up to me. In Revelation, we see a bunch of people who've been killed for their faith in Jesus and they're in heaven and they're waiting for the end to come, for Jesus to return. Listen to what they say. Revelation 6, 10. They, the, the, the martyrs, they cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. Just wait. Just wait. Justice is coming. Justice will be done. The Lord will take care of it. And so when we are tempted to get revenge on our own, we need to stop and say, God, I'm leaving this to you. Instead, I'm going to do good to these people, just as you've called me to. Ecclesiastes 12, 14 says this, For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Everything will be judged by the, by the Lord God someday. So, genuine love under pressure strives for peace. It trusts in justice. Thirdly, it responds with compassion. Uh, we need to respond with compassion. It says in verse 20, to the contrary. So instead of trying to get revenge, instead do this. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. All right? That sounds painful, doesn't it? You're going to put heap, heaping, sorry, heap burning coals on people's heads by doing good works to them. Okay, we're going to talk about what that means in just a moment. But do we understand first what he's saying here? Okay, Billy at school is just picking on you all the time. And you hear over here one day that Billy loves Snicker bars. All right, the next day, the day after Billy's picked on you, you take a snicker bar to him. That's what it's talking about here. <laughs> Loving people wherever their needs are in a way that would meet their needs. So if they're hungry, you give them food. If they're thirsty, you give them drink. If they need a place to stay, you give them a place to stay. This is the whole point. Doing whatever is good to your enemies. Kids, you weren't here for it, but your moms and dads learned that this is what we're to do in the body of Christ, that we're to help with each other's needs. But now the Bible's telling us not only to do that for the people in the church, but for people who hate us. This is what God calls us to do. But it says when you do that, you're going to heap burning coals on their head. What does that mean? Anyone here think there's going to be literal burning coals on their head? Anyone think that? That, you, that somebody's all of a sudden, they're just going to be, you do like you give Billy the sticker bar and the next thing you know, he's got this coal burning on the top of his head. Anybody think that's what's going to happen? Okay, that's not what's happening, okay? But what does it mean? Well, scholars have a tough time agreeing on what it means. So let's look at, let's think about the three different ways they think that it could be interpreted. Some people think to keep burning coals on your head is to put further judgment on them. Right? The reason they think that when, when we do good works to those who, uh, who have been evil against you and that they would, they would receive more judgment is because all through the Bible, anywhere that you see burning coals, it has to do with judgment. He's quoting here from Proverbs 25. 
The idea here would be like Jesus. Remember when Jesus was going through the different cities? He's doing all these miraculous works. In Matthew chapter 11, he's talking to the cities of Chorazan and Bethsaida. And he's saying, look, if I would have done these miraculous works in cities that were evil in the past, and he names Tyre and Sidon as a couple of those places, he said they would have repented long ago. But you haven't. So he says in verse 22, I tell you, you'll be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And so in other words, when you show love, when you show Christ's love to someone and they still don't repent and they continue to persecute you, then it will be harder for them on judgment day. Now, let me, let me just state something. That's not why you're doing the good to them. But it would just be a simple fact. That's what happens. When you do love, it goes back to verse 19. They will still receive justice. They will still receive what they're due for their actions. So that's one. I took longer on that one because I lean most to this one. Second one, uh, in Proverbs, which is where Solomon, uh, this is, Solomon wrote it and where this is being quoted from. Back in those days in Egypt, there was this practice that if someone had been put to shame, they would literally get a bull with burning coals and put it upon their heads and walk through public to publicly show their shame. And so it could be that, that when we do good works to people, it brings them to shame. And then thirdly, there are some who think that by doing good works to them, it will not only bring them to shame, but to repentance. Now, as I've thought about this, this week, I'm kind of like, isn't it kind of all three? Really, ultimately it is, because when I, when I am nice to Billy at school, right, when I'm nice to him, and I'm praying, and I'm, ble- I'm blessing him and not, persecute, or not cursing him, when I'm blessing him, and I'm praying that God would open his heart to see that Jesus died for him, and I'm praying for that, Billy then there's three different things that are going to happen, three different possibilities for Billy at that point when I do the good. One, Billy's like, I hated that stupid snicker bar. You know, I'm going to still pick on you. Do you think that you can get away with that? And so he, he just keeps hardening his heart. And if Billy lives a lifetime like that, he will receive even a harsher judgment than he would, have, would not have if he wouldn't have been continually cruel to believers. Or second thing that could happen is that Billy is brought to shame. He's like, why am I being so mean to this kid? Like, why should I do that? I'm not doing that anymore. And so he's brought to shame and he stops. Or thirdly, Billy is brought to shame. He understands that he is a sinner and he repents of his sin and places his trust in Christ. You and I have no control on how Billy will respond. All we have the control over is how we will respond to Billy when he treats us wrongly. And so we do good to him. So, genuine love under pressure strives for peace. It trusts in justice. It responds with compassion. And then lastly, it triumphs through righteousness. It triumphs through righteousness. This point is not a long one because it really is the culmination of everything that we've been talking about. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Earlier I said God is the God of perfect justice and that no evil is ever left unpunished. This is true. Nobody gets away with sin. It might seem like they've got away with it for a while. They, they did something really wrong and it seems like there's no consequences to them. But every sin committed on this earth will be punished. Now, you might be sitting here right now and you're kind of like, that seems really scary. That seems really scary that every sin will be punished because I, I know I broke my, my, my brother's toy. When I shouldn't have. I have sinned. I have sinned lots. 
And so if every sin will be punished, then when I stand before God someday, that's going to be a really scary day. And you're feeling the weight of that sin even now. Well, I want us to hear that good has overcome evil. How? Jesus came to this earth. Jesus came to this earth. He lived the perfect life. And for all who will place their trust in Jesus, he took that, their sins upon himself as he hung on the cross. When you broke that toy, when you were the bully, when you sinned, whatever the case, moms and dads, there's a long list for you, right? Again. But every single person who placed their trust in him, every sin they have, and we're not, we're, let's be honest, we're not talking like 10. We're talking hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of sins against a holy God that must be punished. He took those sins and he placed them upon Jesus. And they were punished through Jesus Christ. He took your place. Kids, let me just explain it to you like this. Has any kid ever been in trouble with mom and dad here before? Any kid? Okay. There's a few of you who are still listening, okay? And, 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 and so they said, okay, you disobeyed mom and dad, so here are the consequences. And they told you the consequences. And we won't get into what all those could be, okay? But you were disciplined for your sin. What Jesus did for us is to say, this is what you've done wrong, now, instead of you receiving the punishment for what you've done, I'm going to take it. It'd be like your, your mom or dad saying, I will take your punishment for you. I see some kids pretty excited about that idea. But that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did for us, and we should be excited about it. That should just be like, are you kidding me? Why would Jesus do that? Because God so loved the world. That's why. Because he loved you. And he wanted you to be reconciled to, to the Father. That's why he did it. And that's how love, that's how good overcame evil. You see, when we love our enemies like this, we are being mirrors of the gospel. Because every single one of us were once enemies of God. Every single one of us were, were shaking our fists at God and, not, and walking in rebellion to him, yet he forgave you, yet he loved you and did good for you by giving his son on the cross for you, and as a result, you are forgiven today if you've placed your trust in him. This is the walking picture of the gospel. We display the character of Christ before a watching and skeptical world when we love our enemies, when we do good to our enemies. This is how love, or sorry, good overcomes evil. We overcome evil with good when we don't do the evil, right? How do we overcome evil? Somebody hits you, you don't hit back. Instead, you do good. And right there and then, the, the cycle of evil is done. If you hit them back, then you've committed evil and evil and evil and evil and evil. Do we understand the picture here? How do I overcome evil? With good. I stop and I do the good instead. This is what Christ did for you and I. It says in Luke 6.35, but love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. That's how God is towards evil people. It's what he expects you and I to do towards those who are wicked towards us. It is those who have embraced this over the last 2,000 years, who've had the greatest impact on this world and had the greatest witness for Christ. Do you know two of the two countries where the, where the church is growing quickest right now? China and Iran. 
Are those friendly places for Christians? They definitely are not. But could it be when evil people come against Christians and they respond, like the, the scripture is saying here, that the gospel takes life in a way that it's not in Canada right now. And that's why the church is growing so quickly there. And kids, moms and dads, I think that it's possible persecution against us is only going to grow. And the question is going to be, how will we respond? Will we respond in obedience and follow what the scriptures say here? Or will we shake our fist back at those who would persecute us? I'm praying that God would give us the strength, that we would walk by the power of the Spirit, and that we would follow the example of Jesus and love under pressure. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Lord God, we are so thankful for your word. We're so thankful for Jesus Christ and his example. All, Lord, that he's done on our behalf. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, you loved us even while we were still enemies. And Lord, because of that, we are able to love our enemies. Lord, you've given us your spirit, Lord, that we might respond with kindness and gentleness and goodness, self-control. Lord, in those moments when we are tempted to return evil for evil, God, I pray that we would be quick to return good. God, I thank you for these kids, Lord, for their, their young lives. God, I pray that you would strengthen them. Lord, you would help them even from a young age to understand your truth. Lord, as I look back on your grace in my life 40 years ago and helping me to deal with a difficult situation as a child, God, I, I would pray for them that you would do the same for them. Lord, would you be real to them from a young age? Help them to serve you well. Help them to be a witness for you. And Lord, we do pray for moms and dads today as well. Lord, so many pressures, so many people against us. God, help us to love well. Lord, for your glory, for your honor. And God, if there be anyone here today who still is walking as an enemy of you, God, would you help them to see that you have offered forgiveness through Jesus Christ. May there be fear, God, about the fact that there is a judgment day coming. And may they see that through your grace, through your mercy, that every sin has been covered through Christ for all who would place their faith and trust in him. Lord, we pray that you would do all this for your glory and for your honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.